welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I'm going to share very quickly tonight, so we're going to witness a miracle. Something that I've entitled, The Quest. Quest, quest, quest. To quit. Quit, 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 quit. Quarreling. Quarreling, quarreling, quarreling. The quest to quit. Quarreling. Is that how you spell it? It didn't come up with a red underline, so I just assumed it was right. I went to the dictionary and they looked at me like, <laughs> just almost exploded. Double R, double L, is that right? Is that good? Mitchie Moyle, you kind of, yeah, is that okay? Is that right? Sweet, all right. Chris, <laughs> I feel so comforted knowing that you think it's right. That's awesome. The quest to quit quarreling. quarreling. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I hope some of you still bring your Bibles these days. James chapter 4. Reading from verse 1, it says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Question. What causes Fights and quarrels among you. You might say, it's the weather. We've come out of a very wet and cold winter. And it's because of the weather that I've been a little bit snappy lately. It could be the kids that you find yourself getting all agitated and snappy about. It could be the missus. Or it could be the mister. You're a brave man. Brave or stupid, I don't know. Could be the boss that's causing all your problems. And while there may be elements of truth to that, can I make a suggestion? It's none of those things. The answer to the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you can be answered in one word with three letters and that answer is you. You cause your quarrels. Turn to the person next to you and say he's talking to you. What causes fights and quarrels among you? The Bible says, 
don't they come from the desires that battle within you? That's where they start. They don't come from outward circumstances. They come from the inner battles. The common denominator to all your problems is you. You are there for every one of your problems. You think about it. Your boss may cause you trouble at work. But when you get home and your kids are causing you problems and, or your wife is causing you problems or the weather, you know, the common denominator, all those scenarios is you. You're your problem. I'm my problem. That's what the Bible says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You do. They come from the desires that battle within you. It goes on to say further, that it's because you're not getting your way. You want something, the Bible says, but you don't get it. That's what causes problems. You want something, but you don't get it, and now you've got a problem. But the problem is not the problem, the problem's internal. Because you wanted something. You might have wanted a pay rise and you didn't get it. Now there's a problem. You might have wanted some acknowledgement, but didn't get it. And now there's a problem. You might be a married woman here and wanted a massage from your husband and didn't get the massage. Now there's a problem. For some of the married men in this place, you may have wanted something a little bit more physical than just a massage and you didn't get it and now there's a problem. And so we argue and complain that my problem is I don't get enough. Or we argue he never massages me. He never whispers sweet nothing in my ears. For some of the kids here who have their parents in the room, it might be, I wanted the latest PS3 and I didn't get it. Now there's a problem. For some of our youth, you might have had to go to McDonald's and have to wait and go to the visiting bay. Now we've got a problem. Because being a youth is tough. So many problems. But our biggest problem is, we don't get our own way. Let's be honest. And when we don't get our own way, there's a problem. So what do we do? The Bible says because of this, the result is we kill and we covet. Now you might say, I've never actually killed anyone. Well done. That's good. Well done. Praise Jesus for that. 
But have you ever wished anyone dead? Have you ever spoken words of death over someone? See, we don't kill people literally, but we kill them with our words. We spread rumours, we gossip, we get on Facebook. Say, she's a, and he's a. And we're killing people all the time with our words. Who says the Bible's old and irrelevant? This is as relevant. I mean, am I talking to the right people? Who knows what I'm on about? James wrote this some 2,000 years ago. He was having the same problems back then. Don't let anyone ever tell you that the Bible is an old book that's boring and irrelevant. Same problems that they faced in the writing of this book are the same problems we face today. And so we kill people with our words and our quarrelling begins. And because she said that, I can now, that gives me a right now to say something worse. And then she comes back with something worse. And then they come back with something worse. And we try and get people on side because who wants to fight a lion? We want people on our side. And friendships have been torn apart. People have left churches because of this little thing called quarrelling. And we think we're so right. And we miss out on what God would have for us. The Bible goes further and says this, that the truth be known, you'll never get what you want. So unless we settle what I'm about to share tonight, we'll never be happy. And we'll always be quarrelling because we're never going to always get what we want. What's that song, you can always get what you want? That one, yes. You pick the tune. Something like that. In other words... Not every appetite can ever be fully or finally satisfied. How many of you thought, if only I could just get an iPhone. Oh, then I'd be happy if I could just get the iPhone. It's all I want. Once I get that, I don't need anything else. I mean, it does everything. I get an iPhone, I'm happy. Honestly, if I could, mom, dad, if you could buy me an iPhone, I'll tell you, I'll never ask for anything ever again. <laughs> ever. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. <laughs> and when we get the iPhone, oh, thanks, mom. Thanks, that's awesome. Not many apps on it. If, if, I could, if I could get more apps, then, then I'd be happy. I'm telling you, give me some more apps. And I like that across a little bit, but a few more apps, then I'll be happy. And then we get all the apps we need, but then guess what? They pull a Swifty on us. They bring out a new iPhone. The iPhone 4. And we look at the iPhone, the old iPhone. It's so old. It's been around, it's been around oh, six months. Ancient. 
And all of a sudden, oh, you know, it's not that fast, you know. <laughs> Battery life's not that good. The iPhone 4, however. <laughs> it's amazing that James did not know a thing about iPhones. But he knew a thing about appetites. And he knew that your appetites will never be fully or finally satisfied ever. And if we don't settle this, we will be quarrelling till the day we die and live miserable, small, fruitless lives. And so we're starting a quest to quit quarrelling. So what can we do? I love the Bible, it's quite simple. Three things that I believe can help you and help me in this area. And it's all found in the very passage that we've already read. You'd almost have to be a theologian to not understand this. It's so simple. And if you get this, it can change your life, your marriage, your parenting, the way you do relationships forever. The first thing the Bible says to do is this. Stop and think. Everyone say, stop and think. Did the people at the back say that? Or doesn't it apply to them? Everyone say, stop and think. Nice, thank you. See, a part of every problem is that there's something that we are not getting. And we need to stop and think, what is it that I'm not getting? Where is it that I'm not getting my own way? Instead of starting with what they're not doing, let's start with what we are not getting. Let's start with ourselves. See, when you find fault in others, you don't have to stop and think. If I said, who wants to pick on, um, I don't know, let's say Chris. <laughs> and you know, what's the problem? We, we can probably just go bang, 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 bang. Because it's so easy. I love him too. <laughs> but the point is, we go around anyone and, and someone you know, you don't have to stop and think about someone else's problems. Yeah. It's obvious. <laughs> Other people's problems are obvious, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when people put on Facebook, I don't like him because this, that, 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 they didn't stop and think about that much. If they stopped to think about it, they wouldn't have put it on Facebook. It just spews out what's wrong with other people. You don't have to stop and think to find fault with others. But you do have to stop and think to find fault in yourself. And so a good question to ask yourself this is, when you're quarreling with someone, when you're arguing with someone, ask yourself this, what is it that I'm not getting? Why is that a good question to ask? Because the Bible says quarrels start because we want something, but we don't get it. That's where quarrels start. It's in the us not getting something. That's where the every quarrel starts. And so if we'll take time out of our busy schedules and stop and think, what is it that I'm not getting? Where am I not getting my own way? It's simple, isn't it? If every one of us did that, life would be so different. 
It's so simple. The question is, why don't we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we like confrontation. We have gossiped and slandered for so long, it's become habitual. And we're going to have to break some patterns and some habits in our lives. You know, if we're honest, we don't like people quarrelling about us or gossiping about us. But here's the question. Do you like gossiping? And I reckon most people do. There's a billion dollar industry called magazines. And they feed on this, this incredible appetite we have for gossip. And so it starts with us stopping and thinking, how much do we really love gossip? Or how much do we want to live the Christian life? I just don't see Jesus getting on Twitter and just running someone into the ground. I don't see that. I don't see him using the F word, the C word, the B word, whatever word in his conversations on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere for that matter. And so the first thing to do is to stop and think. Everyone say, stop and think. The second thing, we've only got three, we're going to fly through this. The easiest thing is sitting there listening to me. That's the easiest part of this message. The hardest thing will be putting this into practice. And if we don't put it into practice, and I speak on this next week and the week after, don't complain that I'm repeating myself. The second thing is, stop and ask. Everyone say, stop and ask. ask. Bible says you do not have because you do not ask God. It's too simple. I mean, there's got to be, it's so simple. Stop and think. Stop and ask. Ask God first. When someone says something and something goes off inside of you and you're ready to rip and tear, that's not normal. And dare I say, that person who said something that made you feel that way, there's obviously something going on inside you that's unrelated to that person. Otherwise, you wouldn't respond that way. God wants to reveal things to us. But the way He reveals things to us is by ask, uh, us asking. So why did, I, why did I behave like that? Why did I say that? Lord, help me to understand why I lost the plot. See, it's not that my life is absent of losing my temper or losing the plot or being a bad husband or a bad parent at times. But what I've learned is as I apply this principle to my life, God shows me things about me. And those things don't become an excuse as to why I did it. It becomes something that I can ask God for help in overcoming. And so we talk to God. Contrary to most beliefs, Christianity is not a religion. It's not a list of what to do and not to do. It's a relationship. And we're meant to dialogue with God and talk to Him. It's called prayer. 
that can be in a closet if you want. I've never prayed in a closet in my life. I like to pray and walk for the most part, but I can pray and drive, I can pray and sit, I can pray in prayer meetings, I can pray at home, I can pray wherever. And talk to God. Stop and ask Him. Tell Him what you really want. Perhaps, just perhaps, you're trying to get something from someone that you can only get from God. See, if you're single and you desperately crave a husband, in and of itself, that is not bad. But I tell you, there are many people that get married and they put pressure on their marriage because they put pressure on that husband that they married or that wife that they married to be something that only God can be in their lives. And that's why pretty soon we've got this problem, like now what do I do? I've got the girl, I've got the guy, now I've got to keep them. And that's harder than getting them. It is. If you're not content in your singleness, you probably won't be a good husband or wife. I was talking to a young man who's kept himself pure. He's 24 years of age. He's just started dating a girl. Awesome. And he was telling me about the stories that he's been talking to this girl about. And they've talked about everything. He said, you're so cool. She doesn't have any cavities and I don't have any cavities. And I said, you have so inspired me to preach a message called no cavities. Because you see, the absence of certain things is for a purpose to replace it with other things. And so when God says abstain from sexual relations before you are married, it's not so that you don't do anything. It's so that you can talk and get to know someone. That's the purpose. And then you find out, wow, you haven't got cavities. I haven't got cavities. We're perfect. I was so encouraged and so inspired. I said, that little comment has inspired me. No cavities. Some of these kids are sleeping around. They wouldn't know if that guy's got cavities or not. Our biggest problem is that we go to people to get what only God can give us. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, oh my goodness, while it was still dark, that's like before 5.30, like early, Jesus got up. He left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. This is what I've learned through this little portion of Scripture, that Jesus learned that solitude with the Father liberated him from needing people as a crutch. And as a result, Jesus returned empowered and enlightened. His intimacy with his Father meant that he would never choose a relationship out of need or lack. And so he gets up early, he prays, and then he comes back and he chooses the 12 apostles. But not out of, I need you. But I've been with the Father. He's led me and he's chosen you and he's chosen you and he's chosen you. He hasn't chosen you. He's chosen, he's chosen you. And whenever you choose someone, you leave someone out. But he's got the security of being with a father to handle that. 
He didn't choose anyone out of a relationship or didn't choose any relationship out of a need or lack within himself. Jesus never used any relationship to get things that only God could give him. Things like identity, acceptance and approval. How's this? In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. If you haven't been baptised, get baptised, Jesus was. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, the Father's voice, and said, You are my Son, whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. He said three key things. Jesus heard the Father say three key things of him. He says, one, you are my son. That's your identity. Secondly, whom I love. There's the acceptance. I am well pleased. Approval. Isn't that sweet? What you need to know about this portion of Jesus' life, he hasn't done a miracle yet. He hasn't done anything. And God's saying, oh, that's my boy. I'm so proud of him. You know, I think I've said this before from this platform. But if you want to upset my dad or get him really mad, and you don't want to, but if you do, take a look at all this. Have a look at what I'm doing and then go to Keith and say, oh, Keith, you must be proud of your boys. Thinking that he'll be proud because of all this. And he'll look you fair and square in the eye and say, I was prouder than the day they were born. I grew up in a household where I received and experienced love, acceptance and approval. I was dad's little super boy before I did anything super. I've done lots of super things since. (laughs) But dad, you honestly, he used to, as a kid, he'd grab my little scrawny arms. He'd say, oh, my super boy. So strong, he'd punch me in the chest. I hadn't even, I hadn't been in a fight. I hadn't done anything great. But I was loved. And I knew that I was Keith Rainbow's son. And I didn't have to do anything to earn that. And I know that's not the story for most of you in this room. Most of you either hate your father, you don't know who your father is, or you've got issues. That's where Jesus comes in. To bring us back into the relationship with our heavenly father. Jesus didn't rely on people's opinions because he knew what they were like. In John chapter 2 verse 24, Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. Men are fickle. Jesus enters Jerusalem, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Next day, kill him. That's people. That's people. I've had people come to me and say, Oh, Tony, you're the greatest pastor and the greatest leader I've ever known. Speaking to my life. If anyone ever says speaking to your life or their life, they don't mean it. That's what I've learned. I never used to know that. 
I said, oh, he's asked me. I said, well, while you're at it, you deserve it. Never see him again. People are fickle. We had a woman thought God was leading her to this church recently. Sat through our VC 101. Excellent. God has definitely called me here. Get to VC 201. We talk about tithing. Whoa, it's funny. She said, I feel God leading me elsewhere. People are fickle. Jesus was free from the control and the manipulation of people because he'd been alone with God. I'm not advocating that we get alone with God and then give up on people. Jesus never gave up on people. He was alone with God and he had something to give people. God created your appetites. He knows what you need. And God will sometimes use conflict for things in you to come to the surface. None of us like to think that we are, you know, ill-tempered and out of control and rude and, and brash. We like to think we're kind of more like, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm kind and I'm good. And so God will use conflict just to show us what's in us. And the only way you get to find out what's in you is under pressure, like the toothpaste tube. It's when we're squeezed and we find out what's in us. And so we need to stop and ask God. T.D. Jake's mother grew up as a very poor woman. She was an African-American woman in America where African-American women and men were not treated well. And it was as she was in the cotton fields picking the cotton, she learned an invaluable lesson. It was the art of being alone without being lonely. That's something most Christians have not yet learned. They can't just be alone with God. Some of you can't be alone, period. But if you are alone, it's with a computer in front of you or a DS, or a book, or something. And if we're always filling our mind with stuff, we're not going to have the time to stop and ask God. It's great to read the Bible, but you can't always be reading. You've got to stop and ask yourself, what have I just read? Even the best book that's on the market right now, you have to stop at some time in your reading and say, what have I just read? How does that apply to my life? It's part of reading. Part of reading is not reading. It's part of reading. Got it? The third point is, I mean, it's, it's a very basic message. Stop and listen. See, asking God doesn't mean that now because you've asked him, he has to say yes. God, can I marry that woman? Thank you. God, I really like him. Can I marry him? Thank you. Just because you may have stopped to actually ask God, it doesn't mean you've stopped and heard God. God will not be manipulated by you because you've asked him to have to give you the answer you want. 
It is good. It's so good it deserved a better response than that. It's amazing. It's... Sometimes God answers this way. No. But God, no. After all I've done, no. But I go to every prayer meeting. God, I started the prayer meetings. No. Lord, 16 years ago, I started a church. No. Lord, when I could have run away with another woman, I didn't. I stayed married. No. Lord, I'm being a pretty good kid, uh, father to my kids. No. We think we can manipulate God. Just because we might have done a few good things. God even said no to Jesus once. Father, if this cup can be removed from me, no. Yet not my will, yours be done. If you want to be like Jesus, part of that is hearing the no of the Father. But here's the cool thing about what I've just shared. It sounds like, ugh. The cool thing is, God knows the beginning from the end. Can you put up with the lights going crazy? Look at me, look at me, look at me. Like, some of us got an attention span of a, a rat. Ooh. Life-changing message. Ooh, lights. Look at me. Lights won't change your life. What I'm sharing will if you hear it. God knows what's best. He knows the beginning from the end. The Bible says you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Can I ask a question? How many of you have been alive long enough to be able to thank God for the no's in your life? I have. I am so grateful that God never said yes to all of my stupid, pathetic whinges, which I called intercession and prayer. I'm like, oh Lord. Remember, not too long ago, many of you remember this, we walked around a building, which is probably one of the biggest regrets I have in my whole ministry life. Because we thought God was giving us the shopping centre next to our old building. And we applied an Old Testament principle of every place on which your foot shall tread. He has given it to us. That's right. If we walk around this, that, that means God's got to give it to us. So, and we even walk loud. Let God know, God, we're walking around the building. He's like, yeah, I know. Weird. If I'd stopped and listened, I reckon God would have said, weird. Uh, Every place on which your foot shall tread. Come on, Glenn. He has given it to you. He has given it to you. Be strong. No, something like that. Anyway. These are the songs we used to sing in church. Come to church. Every place on which... Church wasn't that good all those years. It wasn't, it wasn't. It's better now. It's good. It's awesome. 
And we're like walking around. And all our walking around the building did was put every one of the tenants offside. They started a petition up. Why the church cannot, should not, must not buy the shopping centre. It went to court, it went to the council. And there was five of us representing victory. It seemed like there was 5,000 representing our community. And they gave us an opportunity to speak. Ashley got up there. As the financial manager of our church, this is, how, this is our financial plan, our business plan. This is how we can do it. Five minutes. Pete gets up there and shares a little bit of the vision. Three minutes. Then it was like, okay, we've heard enough from the church. Now, free for all. Who wants to express why they don't think there should be a church? An hour and a half goes by. As we sit there, listening to people basically just abuse us. One lady got up there and says, you know, and another thing, I don't think they should be able to buy out the, 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 the shopping centre because the pastors always swear at me. And me and Pete looked and thought, Baz... Truth be known, we never. But they were saying all this stuff. And we sat there, just that we could not respond. We'd had our three minutes. Hour and a half later. So, okay. And we're like, we're, in the end, we're just thinking, this is ridiculous. Okay, we're not getting that. We, we realised we weren't going to get the shopping centre. But we realised that at minute two. But we sat through another whole hour and a half. And, okay, all those in favour? Not one hand went up. Not one. Not one hand. I'm like, come on, throw us a bone, somebody. All those against, every hand, hands, feet, toes, everything. Even the hair went on. We walked out of that place. Five of us. When they gave the announcement, the whole gallery stood up and cheered. <laughs> Part of that cheer was God in heaven, mind you. In actual fact, I'm so convinced that God was convinced that we would have got this building. He, he needed to give us a strategy of how to mess up us getting the shopping center because he had another plan. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll speak to them in a prayer meeting. I'll speak to one of the elders' wives. That'll mess it up. <laughs> had this idea, let's walk around the building. And I don't know what came over. Like, oh, good idea. Hey. <laughs> Whew, almost, they were almost going to buy the building. <laughs> you know, that came to nothing. Seemingly made a lot of enemies. Of <laughs> Jan's stupid idea. And here we are in this building, and I say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've got to hang around long enough. You'll find that most of God's no's 
have incredible wisdom behind them. There are some people who heard a no and they reluctantly broke up from a person that they loved only years later to see that person and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Others heard the no but just got married anyway and said, I wish I'd listened. Stop and think. Stop and ask. Stop and listen. Can our musicians please come? Paul was having a bit of a rough trot of things. He described this season in his life as a thorn in his flesh. I'm convinced it was people he was talking about, not a literal thorn or even an ailment or a sickness. Because there's no greater pain in your neck than people. And Paul says that three occasions he pleaded with God, remove this thorn, remove this thorn, remove this thorn. If anyone had any bargaining power, I think it's Paul. Stone, shipwreck, this, that and the other. I think if someone planted churches right across Asia Minor, etc. I mean, if there was someone who had any bargaining power, it would be Paul. God says, no, remove this flesh. No, remove it. No, tears. No, tantrum. No, sulking. Definitely no. Hate sulking. Oh, I hate sulking. Just a word. If you ever want to try and get you know, me to change my mind and you think sulking's going to work, it ain't. Doesn't work with God either. He says, you know what, Paul? I'm not going to give you what you ask because that's what you need. See, God doesn't always give us what we want, but He always gives us what we need. He didn't remove the flesh, but He says, because that's not the problem. Those people, you didn't, that's not your problem. Your problem is you don't have enough grace. Here, I tell you what, I'll give you my grace. If you need more grace, stand right now. If you need more grace for whatever situation, for whatever circumstance, that was really an invitation for everyone to stand, really. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Really? You're going to sit there? Oh, pff, nah. It's ample grace. Are you serious? Man. I've got to have some of that. My gosh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm standing. I'm like, man, I need some grace. Why do we share messages like this? I'll tell you why. Because God had a dream. And that dream is recorded for all time and all eternity in Genesis 1 and 2. This incredible family. This loving family, no divorce, no quarreling, no fighting, no bickering. People working the land, people stewarding well what they've been given. It's like, it's a utopia. It's like the perfect scenario. That's God's dream for this planet. No quarreling. In Genesis chapter 3, the devil comes and stuffs it all up. Messes with God's dream. Starts speaking words into Adam and Eve that contradicted the Word of God and they started entertaining those thoughts. And things got messed up horribly. There was separation in the family, murder, it just went downhill. 
And the whole earth has been decaying ever since. Not just as people gone downhill, but the whole of creation is groaning, it says in Romans, under the weight of man's sin. So the flowers we see, they're not the flowers God created. They're tarnished by this sin environment. We haven't really seen a flower yet. We haven't really seen a tree yet. Everything we've seen has been stained with sin. You know those hard questions? Why did this happen and why does that happen? And why are people born this way? And why are people born with no legs? And why, why, why all, all those questions we find hard to understand? They're all answered under this one thing, the devil's deception. When the devil entered the world, decay and ruin came into God's dream. And it's been decaying ever since. But God had a plan. He sent His Son Jesus as a substitute to redeem mankind. That's sweet. So you can't start with Jesus. You've got to know why Jesus came. And Jesus came to undo what the devil did. And that's messed with God's dream. He came to restore God's dream. And He came to restore mankind. My boast as a Christian is this, that my life has been redeemed and restored not through any work of my own, but because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And that's the testimony of every Christian in this place today. We don't have a boast in and of ourselves. We struggle like anyone struggles, but for the grace of God. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.